Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome, welcome to another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And it has become a yearly tradition on this podcast to be recording in the moments or hours or minutes after a absolutely heart-wrenching how-did-they-lose-that-game Big East loss. The latest edition of that came on Sunday night where the Red Storm went to Washington, D.C. in a game that wasn't supposed to be scheduled against Georgetown, a game that certainly looked like a winnable game despite being one-point underdogs at tip time. St. John's, for various points in this game, looked like they were the better team, looked like they could kind of pull away from this game and kind of coast to it to a somewhat easy victory. And at the end of the day, St. John's blows a seven-point lead in the final 230. They blow a four-point lead in overtime, and they lose 97-94 to to the Georgetown Hoyers, really just adding again to the long list of recent just embarrassing losses to Georgetown, losses to Georgetown that you just couldn't even script. And I think that's where I'll start here is this team just finds ways to lose games. It happened all of last year. You know, we've 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 hit you know hit the dead horse so many times last year with how many close games this team lost. And not just lost, but just choked away, just gave away. And at some point you wonder when is that gonna end? And two weeks ago, I sat here after the Boston College game and I said the late game execution was putrid. They should have blown that game to Boston College. And then we saw it against BYU. We saw it on Friday against Seton Hall. And we especially saw it on Sunday night against Georgetown where St. John's had absolutely no clue what to do in the closing minutes of that game. In regulation and in overtime. And it's become a trend now. Losing teams, losing programs find ways to lose games and Creighton's coming up on this schedule and I'm not going to predict that one just yet but it looks like St. John's is headed right again towards an 0-4 a 1-5 a 1-6 type Big East star and I hate to completely jump off the ledge like that but that's the way it looks because that's how it's been for the last 10 years with this program at least the last 7 years in the new Big East Over and over and over again, it's been the same story every single year. And I blame us as a fan base. I really do, because every single year, me and everyone in this fan base lets ourselves get excited about this team. And then every single year, the players change, the coaches change, everything changes. But the only thing that stays the same is that we find a way to lose games. And we did it again tonight. Did it again tonight against a Georgetown team that may be the worst Power 5 team in the country, or at least up there. Really might be one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. Georgetown. Lost to what, Navy a couple of weeks ago? Villanova, and I know Villanova is not in the same class as St. John's, whatever. They're not in the same stratosphere as St. John's. Villanova spotted this Georgetown team 18 points in the first half. 
and turn that game into a laugher in the second half. That's how bad Georgetown is. Villanova slept walked, spotted Georgetown 18 points, and still cruised to an easy victory against the team. That's how terrible this Georgetown team is. And Georgetown did nothing. What did Georgetown do? Georgetown dumped it down low to the big guy, Wahab, and he was getting two-foot shots. And St. John's kept attacking Wahab and kept letting Wahab block shots, including at the end of the game there. There is so much to be upset up, upset with with St. John's, but the, the main thing that I have to talk about is just the late game execution. It was the problem last year under Mike Anderson, and through seven games this year, or eight games this year, it's been a problem again. It's been the same thing. Seven point lead with 2.30 to go. The only way you were going to lose that game is if you absolutely handed it to Georgetown on a silver platter. Seven point lead with 2.30 to go. You had to literally hand that game away to Georgetown. And with the way that they turned the ball over in those final 2.30, they basically did that. They basically took the game and handed it to Georgetown. They really did. And it makes me sick because, again, we fall into this trap year after year. And year after year, they start 0-4. They start 1-5. They start 0-3. They start 2-6. It's the same thing every year. You know, I always ask the question, why can't we be Xavier? Why can't we be Marquette? Why can't we be Creighton? Why can't we be Providence? Because we're a losing program. And I hope Mike Anderson can turn this around. And through year one, I mean, he's, t- he's turning it around. I really do believe that. But right now, we are still a losing program. And it doesn't matter who's coaching or who's playing. Someone's got to figure out how we're going to change that. I think we're on the way to changing that. I do. I really do. But as of right now, we're a losing program. And we're still finding ways to lose games against teams that are terrible in Georgetown. Terrible, and we're finding ways to lose games just like we did last year. It's the same thing as last year. But the bottom line is you had multiple times in this game where you got up six, where you got up eight, where you got up nine, where you got up seven with 230 to play, and you blew this game to a Georgetown team that you had no business losing to. Georgetown did not do anything special, just like Seton Hall on Friday. Seton Hall didn't do anything special. BYU didn't do anything special. Those teams let St. John's beat themselves. And that's what St. John's has done. And that's, I guess, something to be confident in if you're going to play devil's advocate. Is St. John's has really beat themselves all three games that they've lost so far this season. You wasted an incredible game from Isaiah Moore, who scored 26 points, had 14 rebounds. But Moore got the rebound at the end there and couldn't even get a shot up against Wahab. Vince Cole, who's bailed St. John's out numerous times this season against inferior opponents, shot one of seven from the field. I don't know what the thought process was down uh, 94-93 or or 95-93, I believe it was. Not sure what the exact score was down the stretch there in overtime. I don't know what the thought process was for Vince Cole shooting that three. I I just, when it was, I'm sorry, when it was 94-93, yes. Taking that three with a lot of time left on the shot clock when you were one of six from the field and one of two from three-point range, but one of six from the field, you didn't have it tonight. I understand it's a straightaway three. I understand you've bailed out St. John's a couple of times, but you're one of six. You've made one shot in this game. 
That wasn't the time to pull a three there. That was the time to attack the basket. Get the ball in your best player's hands. And your best player is Julian Champagny. And I know that he shot 3 of 11 from the field tonight. But he's still, I still would have felt more comfortable in that possession down by one, getting the ball to Julian, let him attack the rim. Hope that you can get a foul. Hope that he can make something happen. Vince shooting a 40-footer there was not the play. And again, it's just the little things like that. It's the turnovers down the stretch in regulation. I'll give the coaching staff credit. They did a nice job on that inbounds play. Heck of a job there. Don't know what Georgetown was doing. You know, Georgetown coaching staff didn't look all that good tonight either. They coached circles around St. John's though. But give the coaching staff credit for that final play. That was a nice job. Sending it to overtime. But then in overtime, again, you take you you score four points right out of the gate. You score a basket. You get a stop. You score another basket. 92-88. And then right away, you're letting Georgetown right back in the game. It's just little things like that, that this team is finding ways to lose games. And, and, and again, like I said, I, I do think that Anderson, I don't want to completely kill these guys. I do think that Anderson is is putting this team on the right track. But when I see an issue that plagued this team year, year, game after game last year, I see this issue. An issue that turned a potential tournament team into a 17-15 team. And it hasn't been fixed at all. That worries me. That shows me that, again, we're still a losing program. We're finding ways to lose these games. The players have changed. The coaches have changed. But nothing has changed in terms of the results. We're still finding ways to lose games that we have no business losing. And I think, again, I will stress this 50 times. I think Mike Anderson is on the road to changing that. I really do. And I think some of these players, Julian, Posh, Greg, I think that these guys are on the road to changing that. Or at least I hope. And maybe I'm being too optimistic, but at least I hope that. But as of right now, December 13th or December 14th, whenever you're listening to this, 2020, St. John's is still a losing program. And until that changes, we're still going to see the ninth place finish in the Big East. We're still going to see the 11th place finish in the Big East or the 10th place finish of the Big East. And the Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. tip-off against Georgetown in the 8-9 game. We're still going to see that. We're still going to see 5-13 in the conference. Or I guess this year, 5-15 in the conference. Or 6-14 in the conference. We're still going to see that. Until that changes, we're still going to see that. Until we figure out how to win close games, how to close games out. How how about this? How do you win games that you were supposed to lose instead of lose games that you were supposed to win? Until we figure that out, 9th, 10th, 11th place in the Big East, 4, 5, 6 conference wins, Wednesday night of the Big East tournament, maybe make an NIT. It's going to be the same thing until we figure out how to win some games like this, how to close some games out, until we figure out how to stop being a losing program. I think we're there. 
I think we're getting there. I'm sorry. But tonight just showed we still got a long, long way to go. A long, long way to go. All right, let's shift gears here for a second. And we will bring on Kevin Connolly. Kevin's come on a couple of times last year, does an amazing job. He runs the Red Storm blog, Storm the Paint. So you can check them out for St. John's uh, coverage. He's also at Kevin Connolly24 on Twitter. So he's tweeting good stuff about the Red Storm as well. So follow him on Twitter as well. And let's get to it with Kevin. All right, we are now joined by Kevin Connolly. Come on a few times on the show last year. Kevin hosts, or he is the uh, site manager at Storm the Paint. That is a St. John's blog. Does a really cool job. You can check him out on Twitter at Kevin Connolly24. Kevin, I'd ask how you're doing, but I'm assuming it's not very good right now. Yeah, that was a that was a tough game to watch. I mean, thankfully, I guess nobody was in attendance to see it, but I guess <laughs> it hurts watching on a Sunday night and the only college basketball game on TV. Yeah, it's one of those games that I'm sure I speak for a lot of St. John's fans where you, you kind of ask yourself, why am I doing this? You know, I, I could just be watching football right now. Why am I putting myself through this? Exactly, and you wonder how many people that were watching the football game flipped over because at, at that point, I mean, late in the second half, I think the football game was still like 0-0 or something, and it was a rock fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they probably said, wow, there's a really good college basketball game on FS1. Let me let me give that a peek for a couple minutes. And uh, they saw Georgetown come away with a win they probably shouldn't have had. Yeah, it's, and it's a, it's a typical St. John's game. I think that they, they basically got everything. If, if you were new to St. John's, you got everything that you really could have seen there in the closing minutes. Um, let, let's start with that, though. I mean, what can you say about this collapse? Uh, your tweet, I think, summed it up perfectly at the end of this game. You know, you held nine-point lead, seven-point lead, obviously the seven-point lead in the final couple of minutes, the four-point lead in overtime. How do you lose this game, man? Like, can you just talk about that? I mean, it was almost a not exactly a carbon copy, but it was pretty close to the Boston College game, mm-hmm. except for the turnovers late in the late in that game, mm-hmm. and they were able to make a couple free throws because let's be honest, that Boston College game, they almost should have lost that game with the way they handled themselves in the last two three minutes of that one mm-hmm. i mean this one i mean it doesn't not a lot of people will talk about it but i go back to the foul um marcellus Erlington committed on blair on the three-point shot yeah. which turned into a four-point play and then a turnover leads to a bucket mm-hmm. and, and a, plus a foul and lo and behold in 30 some odd seconds you're tied and then you're you're fighting back and forth and then you look like all right they're going to pull ahead with, what was it, a seven-point lead, mm-hmm. two and a half minutes to go, and yeah. then they fumble that down the drain, too. Yeah, and, like, at what point, I mean, we, we know that it's it's a trend now, obviously. The, you know, Anderson has, has, I think, done a good job. I think he's in the process of turning this program around. I want to, again, you know, note that. But we saw it all last year, game after game, you know, losing these seemingly insurmountable leads down the stretch, like, at what point does this just become who St. John's is? Or I guess we know that this is who they are. But, like, what can be done to fix that, you know, to, 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 to figure out how to close these games out? I want to say it's experience. And, I mean, granted, a lot of the – or a couple of the guys on the floor 
tonight and like Posh Alexander, he wasn't in that situation last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah Moore wasn't in that situation last year. But then you have the guys like Julian Champagny and Greg Williams Jr. who were in those situations yeah. last year and, and couldn't come through because I would say experience is the best teacher, but now you have to question well, is experience really the best teacher because the players who were there aren't taking charge and stepping up and willing this team to a victory like they should have had tonight. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I think that's, you, you hit the nail on the head there, that's my biggest concern is this was an issue last year, yes, and like you said, you're not going to pick up, I mean, you might, but you're not going to pick up game to game, you know, all right, we can close this game out now. That's just not something that's going to happen, but season to season, you would hope that it does. And this was not, you know, you're trying to close out Villanova or Creighton or Providence. You're trying to close out Georgetown, who is should be the worst team in the conference. To not be able to do that just shows me that it's going to be an issue all year again this year. But I think you, you make a good point there, and I'm going to throw you the opposite side. Closing out a game against Georgetown is a lot more difficult than trying to come back and close out a game against St. Peter's and against Ryder. Why do you say that? Because they showed that they were able to come back and they had a miraculous comeback win over oh, the yeah. Peters, uh-huh. a, a game they shouldn't have had. And Ryder, you can even make the example, they probably shouldn't have won that game. And that was Vince Cole, who mm-hmm. hadn't been in these situations. But it's a major difference, even though Georgetown is supposed to be the doormat of the beast this year, it's a major difference closing out the game against Georgetown compared to closing out a game against a St. Peter, a LaSalle, a Ryder, a Stony Brook and pick, pick whatever team you want from the Mac that you could fill in the blank with. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree with you now. That, that, that is a good point. It is, it is a step up, and I, I'm just worried, though. I mean, I, I'm worried, you know, Creighton's on the schedule now. I, I hate to just mark a game before we even, you know, see it be played, but I'm, I'm worried that we don't even know what the schedule's going to look like down, you know, after, after Georgetown next week. I'm worried that we're headed to another... One and five, zero oh and four, one and six type biggie start. I mean, is there any reason why I shouldn't feel that way right now? I'll pump the brakes at zero oh and four. I think there might be able to to beat Georgetown next Sunday at Carnesecca, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. one one and three, I can't see. I can't yeah. see. I, I can't discourage any St. John's fan from thinking that they're not going to be one and three. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they ran Creighton out of Carnesecca last year mm-hmm. and they played them close for 35 minutes in Omaha mm-hmm. and Mike Anderson has done very well in his career against Greg McDermott mm-hmm. but this is a top 10 yeah. team that's going to walk I mean maybe they'll just be on the outside of the top 10 because they lost this week to Kansas yeah. mm-hmm. um, but it, it'll be definitely a top 15 team that's going to walk into Carneseca and again you're 0-2 so there's still what 18 games or 18-something yeah, games left in, 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 in the Big East if you play them all this year. So mm-hmm. you're not pressing the panic button yet. But when you just start looking ahead and you don't know what your schedule is following next Sunday, you're getting nervous if you're a St. John's fan because I think there were aspirations of an NCAA tournament. I know I put in my season preview, and I wasn't being a homer or anything, mm-hmm. I said that this team would re- would make the first four and then lose in the round of 64. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, if they keep on this trajectory, it might be a fight for an NIT berth again, like it was last year. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And that, I think that's the, the most 
frustrating part about all this is, like you said, there were legitimate tournament aspirations. And you see this team in every game that they've played this season has had periods where they look like a legitimate, you know, top six, seven Big East team that could potentially make an NCAA tournament. But then again, it's just the same old story over and over again that they're blowing these games late, starting off terribly in the conference. I think that's the most frustrating thing, right? Is that like you see the flashes of this team that they can be a tournament team. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, and I'll just use, um, like, I'll use Gonzaga as an example. And by no means am I comparing Gonzaga (laughs) to St. John's. (laughs) But Gonzaga, in a 40-minute game, they can play a solid 10 minutes and win the game. Mm -hmm. St. John's has to play a full 40 minutes. They can't take a 10 minutes off. Because if you look in segments of say the Boston College game, the BYU game, Seton Hall, and Georgetown, there was a span of about, say, anywhere between three to ten minutes where they didn't play good, and it cost them or almost cost them the game. Against Seton Hall, I look back to the first four minutes of the second half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was a a major turning point. Yes, St. John's came back and they got it closer, but I thought that stretch was a big turning point in the game. Mm -hmm. I already mentioned it earlier. I thought a major turning point tonight that's not going to get talked about enough because how the rest of the game unfolded was Javon Blair's four-point play and then another three-point play after that at time of the game at, I think, 58. Mm -hmm. There's these points in the game where they just have a mental breakdown, and it costs them because they're they're not good, but they're not bad, but they're not good enough to win with those mental mistakes. <laughs> no, that's that's a great point. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not good enough to take a few minutes off every game, and they, and they seem to be doing that so far, even in the, in the games against Ryder and St. Peter's, as we're seeing. Um, exactly. Let's talk. I, I want to talk a little bit about the coaching here. I think Anderson's getting a, getting a lot of heat right now on Twitter, uh, somewhat rightfully so for some of these decisions. But my biggest issue with him, and he did it again tonight. I, I don't remember exactly when. I know it was some point in the first half with these lineups and, and these lineups where I think at one point he had done uh, Wusu, Toro and like more on the court together. Just a weird lineup. I don't understand why. I, I feel like either Champagny or Williams or even uh, Posh needs to be on the court at all times. One of those guys or else you're going to see these these lapses. We saw it against Seton Hall. We saw it again tonight where for, you know, three, four minutes, it seems like St. John's has no hope on offense. Yeah, there was a moment like that. The one that really sticks out to me, it was against Ryder, and it was the first half. I think St. John's was up like nine. Yeah. And he had McGriff, Carraher, Busu, Toro, and Erlington on the floor. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, who's going to score? Who's score? Yeah. And, that's when, and uh-huh. that's when Ryder came back in and got the game. Now, I don't think Carraher has seen the floor since those whatever many minutes it was four minutes Mm -hmm. but you need a score out there at all times I mean Dunn didn't have a great night what was he he was two of nine Cole didn't have a great night one of seven but I feel like at at every point in the game either Alexander Champagny Dunn or even Cole because he can be a a volume shooter has to be out on the floor I would even throw Greg Williams Jr. Mm -hmm. in there Mm -hmm. but he, he doesn't have the consistency Mm-hmm. as a score as he needs to as a junior mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that as well um, another coaching decision that is is surely getting crushed right now on Twitter as well 
where is Josh Roberts? Why is he not playing in this game? You knew going in Georgetown was going to try to attack you down low. And uh, Wahab, the big guy, scores 17, grabs 10 rebounds, had the nine blocks, including the one at the end there. I don't understand why Josh Roberts isn't playing. I don't understand why he didn't even get a minute tonight. Um, Arnaldo Toro continues to get minutes, although he doesn't look... Uh, he, he had a nice game, though, rebounding the ball, but he doesn't look like he should be getting this many minutes over Josh Roberts. Can you talk about, like, do you have any sort of insight or, or thoughts as to why Roberts would not be playing, especially in a game like this? I mean, I really, I really, I wish I had an answer. I don't. <laughs> um, I mean, Anderson, he's big on practice. As it could be, could it be Roberts isn't practicing well? I mean, when he's gotten in games this year, he certainly played well. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was scratching my head at the fact after the Seton Hall game, I was going back over stats and notes, and I was like, all right, Roberts started. He played. He, he played the first four minutes of the game. He picked up a foul in the first fifteen seconds, and then he had like two blocks. And he didn't. Play, and then he hasn't <laughs> seen the floor since that point. Since then, yeah. Uh huh. And, and I, I can't figure it out. And Toro certainly hasn't been good. Um, I would say primarily in the non-conference play, he has shown flashes against Ryder. He was decent, mm-hmm. and tonight I thought he was fine. Yeah. He only had seven minutes, two points, and four rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I can't figure out for the life of me why Josh Roberts isn't getting consistent burn. I mean, he did have the major uh, shoulder surgery in the off season, and he, it seemed like he worked hard to get back, and he's put on a lot of muscle. I, I don't understand why he's not getting the play that he is, because he even in, before that injury, I think it was in the Creighton game when he suffered it, he was really improving. Yeah. Uh, at the end of Biggie season, he was a star in non-conference play last year. Mm-hmm. He struggled seeing his first real minutes in this conference. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of the year, he was starting to figure it out and how to play in the Big East. And he just hasn't, he hasn't seen the minutes this year. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. And it, it just, it makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever. Um, uh, another thing that really made no sense to me, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, you know, closing, closing seconds of overtime now, uh, St. John's is down. I think it was 90, 93 or ninety four ninety three. They have about thirty seconds left, and Vince Cole takes that three pointer from the top of the key, misses it, and that was that really felt like it was the end for St. John's. Although they did have another a couple other cracks at it, but Cole missing that three at the end there really felt like the nail in the coffin. I hated that shot. I hated that entire possession. I know Anderson said after the game they didn't want to do that. They wanted to attack the basket. How the ball is not in Julian Champagne's hands there, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, obviously, the the, the shot, given the time and score, that shot wasn't needed at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying by any means it's a good shot, but Cole has hit shots like that before against St. Peter's mm-hmm. and against Ryder. And credit even a, a bad Georgetown team or what per, is perceived to be a bad Georgetown team is probably better than those two teams. Yeah. Um, Champagny really didn't touch the ball. I mean, they ran the one set for him where they tried to post him up. Yeah. Um, I forget who was defending and he got the chair pulled out from under him. Mm-hmm. The ball went out of bounds. They didn't really run any sets for him. It was really, they were trying to get the ball a lot to Isaiah Moore, who had a fantastic game mm-hmm. other, besides besides his blunder on Greg Williams Jr.'s uh, second missed free throw yeah. when he brought the ball down instead of going back up and he got blocked by Wahab. Yep. 
punt. But yeah, that that set for Cole. It's, and he said Anderson said he was trying to get the ball to Cole to drive to the basket. Now I don't know if that's the best play call either in that situation. <laughs> down one, maybe they were trying to draw a foul. I mean, they shot thirty three free throws yeah. tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd want the ball's hands. In, in, I don't know if I want the ball in Vince Cole's hands at that particular time, but again, I can't knock it too much because he's hit that shot before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and that I kind of said that on my open. Like, like I understand Cole taking the shot. He 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 has hit some big shots for them this year, but when you've made one field goal the entire game, you're one of six. I just don't love that, you know, taking a three pointer there, especially when, as you mentioned, they didn't need it at that point in the game. They're only down one. Yeah, they were only down one, and you never know what can happen when you get to the basket. Mm-hmm. Again, like exactly. I mentioned, they shot, they shot 33 free throws. Um, there was a total of 19 fouls called on Georgetown tonight. So perhaps you were going to get a call. Yep. Um, it looked like Cole got fouled. Um, was that the end of regulation? It might have been when he was going to the basket and yes. they got tipped out of bounds. Yeah, that was the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought he got fouled there too, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't get called. So maybe the officials were trying to swallow their whistle in the late stages um, I'm not sure but uh, I would have liked to see a, maybe um, a pick and roll action with Posh and Moore or a, mm-hmm. a drive and kick to Champagny or even a drive and kick to Cole yeah. not Cole coming out to the perimeter and get and catching and shooting get a drive and kick in the corner where he's hit those shots and then let him hit try to attempt a three from there just not I don't mind no. him taking the shot I just don't like the shot selection yeah, absolutely that's that's exactly how I would put it um I'll get you out of here on this I want to at least touch on some positives of tonight overall it's a terrible night it's a terrible terrible loss um, some positives that I saw. You mentioned Isaiah Moore. I thought he had his best game of the season so far with the 26-14. and 14. You mentioned the tough play at the end there, but I thought he played a really, really nice game. Kind of stayed in the paint, which I think is what a lot of St. John's fans want. Um, I thought Posh Alexander as well really, really flashed some things tonight. Mainly passing the ball. I only, I only, only had the six assists. I thought that he was you know, fantastic passing the ball and looked like a real biggies point guard for points in this game. And one other thing that you mentioned that I liked a lot, they shot 33 free throws. Like they attacked the rim. It felt like they didn't do that too much against BYU and they kind of didn't too much against Seton Hall as well. I like that they at least attacked the basket. Um, Want to hear your thoughts on maybe some positives that you have on the end of this game? Uh, yeah, I thought Moore was fantastic. I thought Greg Williams Jr. was big time, although I still need want him to be more aggressive. Yeah. I think that that's still a big key. Yeah, he didn't shoot a three um, tonight, Greg. He didn't even take a three. No, he, he was five of nine from the floor. Didn't attempt a three pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has six assists too, along with yeah. Tosh, who played great. Um, obviously, uh, it would we would be having a different tone right now if. Um, Posh finished with three steals instead of two at the end of regulation where there was that mad or uh, at the end of overtime yeah, or whatever yeah. it was when, mm-hmm. when there was that mad scramble for the ball yeah. um, Julian Champagny he had an off night they didn't run a lot of sets for him he was only three of 11 from the floor but he still finished with 13 and 10 mm-hmm. so there's things to build off of mm-hmm. because for a majority of the game they played well they traded punches obviously the defense still really needs to be worked on. Georgetown shouldn't be scoring 97 points on a local uh, <laughs> high school team in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. never mind St. John's, who prides themselves on defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but there were some positives. I mean, scoring 94 points, although, albeit five extra minutes, is still a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's things to build on going forward. Uh, I'm just worried about 
um, defending the three-point yeah, line, especially brutal. with Creighton coming into Carneseca on uh, on Thursday night. Georgetown shot almost fifty percent from three-point range tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think we'll we'll end it on this. I I do think that, like you said, there there are the positives to build on here. There's certainly players that you can build around. Julian Posh, you know, Greg, even more looks like one of those type of guys. Guys that you can build around. But at the end of the day, it just it still feels like this team is finding ways to lose games, and they're still at this point a losing program. And I, I brought that up in the in the intro, so we'll kind of end it on this. Um, it feels like you know they're on the road to changing this, but for now they're still a losing program that's figuring out ways to lose games instead of ways to win games. Yeah, I tweeted it out after the Seton Hall game. I said, "Do you want to know how good the St. John's team is going to be this year? They have to go on sun- to Georgetown on Sunday night and win. Mm-hmm. They had the chance. They didn't do it. They should have won. They should have won about five different times, <laughs> but they-, they came away with a-, a 97-94 loss. And Mike Anderson said it's not going to define us. Greg Williams says it's hurt. It- it'll hurt, but we have to bounce back and, and keep moving forward and learn from the mistakes and." They're going to have a chance to because you can pick up a top 10 win at home on Thursday night if you play your best game. So we're going to see what happens. Absolutely, and they will have another chance against Georgetown hopefully on uh, next Sunday as well. Kevin, thank you so much for hopping on here late at night, joining me on this show. Um, Again, you can find Kevin Storm the Paint. That's the St. John's blog that he runs. He's at Kevin Connolly 24 on uh, Twitter. Kevin, thank you so much once again. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk soon, man. All right, appreciate it. All right, have a good one. All right, thank you once again to Kevin Connolly for coming on there and helping break down the disaster loss on Sunday night in Washington, D.C. against the Georgetown Hoyas, 97-94. to He also did note we didn't even get to how St. John's allowed Georgetown to shoot 58% in the first half in that game, and I think 54, 55% uh, for the game overall. Just just a terrible, terrible performance on, on all ends, especially on the defensive end against the Georgetown team, like we said, that that is not a good team whatsoever. And, uh, you know, just, just a really, really brutal, brutal performance for St. John's. A performance that, you know, makes you kind of temper your expectations a little bit for this team. They will take on Creighton on Thursday night. That's an interesting game. Uh, Creighton shoots the three ball well. St. John's does not defend the three ball well. But as Kevin mentioned, we did beat them last year in Carneseca Arena. Um, And St. John's was playing with them for 20 minutes in the first half of that Big East tournament game as well. So kind of an interesting uh, matchup as well. Would not expect a win, but we will see. It is a, a weird season, so you never know. But as of right now, the expectations certainly are not high in Queens and have certainly taken a bit of a step back as to what they were maybe a week ago or even four days ago before conference play started but thank you all for listening I'm sure it was a tough listen for a lot of you to to relive the uh the tough tough loss that that was but we're kind of used to it by now I feel like we've had this type of loss like I said we've had this type of loss to Georgetown a few times in the last couple of years so nothing really new for this program but thank you everyone for listening thank you again to Kevin Connolly for coming on uh we'll be back probably next week with another show And I'm still going to say it, as always, let's go Johnny's.